Hey everyone, and welcome to DartCast interview number 223. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, and joining me today, as always, is Brian Tyler, as we talk to Jeff Brooks of JD Gaming to talk about their new game, Grave Danger. Grave Danger is a multiple-character action platforming puzzle game akin to something like Trine or The Lost Vikings. We have a great conversation, and I think you will enjoy it. You can find more information about the game in the show notes to this episode on darkstation.com. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and on with the show. Well, uh, Jeff, welcome to DarkCast. I know I've already asked you this once, but now we're recording, so for all the people out there, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a blast uh, working on games and uh, getting my first game on Steam and uh, just seeing the positive reactions and uh, developing games for the world. It's awesome. It is awesome. It's Talking to people that get to make video games is just, it's one of the best things because it's just so cool. It's like <laughs> I'm not putting that eloquently at all, but it's just cool. <laughs> Uh, that's fine, Jonathan. That, you put it fine. That's all right. I, I didn't say it wasn't fine. I just said it wasn't eloquent. But uh, no, it's not. But that's okay. <laughs> it, it serves a purpose. It does indeed. Um, so we are here to talk about uh, your brand new game. Uh, it's out on Steam now and coming out to Xbox here very soon. Grave Danger. Uh, but before we get into that, let's uh, talk about the man behind the game. And like, you know, who are you? And 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 what do you do on Grave Danger? All right, so my name's Jeff Brooks, and uh, basically around 1999, I was 12 years old, and I started working on games in uh, various game engines and languages like Python and C++ and uh, uh, libraries called Allegro and engines called Verge. And um, I collaborated with people and did game jams back before there really was like an indie game development scene that kind of like really uh, came to fruition in the 2000s. And um, and that and when the indie game scene popped up, that's really when I was going to college and I was more focused on my studies rather than producing stuff. And um, so then when I finally started working full time, it was about uh, 2012. And um, I was working full time on mobile games for for a company called Skyvu Entertainment and we shipped uh, a series of games called Battle Bears and we had over 30 million downloads and um, so that's that's where I got my prof- professional start and so then about two two and a half, three years uh, after I worked at Skyvu Entertainment I left that company and I uh, started JB Gaming where I could be the uh, complete creative control over the products we made and um, of course uh, own the company myself and uh, we're it's been a really uh, humbling and learn uh, big learning experience for me because I've never done any business endeavor or anything and um, so now uh, I get to hire the people I think are the best and uh, make the games that I think are gonna sell awesome that's really cool um we're going to have to back up just a second, though, because Battle Bears, 
that's a concept right there. That's yeah. Let's talk about this. <laughs> are these like cute teddy bears that are fighting, or are we talking like serious? These are the kind of bears that you would drop on like a Mordor party. Yeah, these are some serious bears, but they kind of are teddy bear style. But it turns out in lore that they're more like robots, and so uh, the game that really. Um, it, it was an early iPhone game where you just shot bears. You shot their heads off. You you were a brown bear, and you'd shoot the heads off of pink bears that were trying to hug you to death. Um, <laughs> so that's where the like series got its origins. And then uh, we worked towards a much bigger goal, which was uh, we were the biggest uh, class-based team multiplayer uh third-person shooter on mobile, and um, that was around 2012-2013 that we really held that place, um, and it was a really exciting game and a really exciting time. That is that is very exciting. That's awesome. Um, teddy bears that are real bears that are robots. That's that's great. Uh, what, what, yeah. did, <laughs> what did you do uh, on, on the game as far as kind of, uh, you know, what you were actually working on. Right, so um, it was pretty uh, flat structure. There were designers and artists and programmers, and that's where I fit into the programmer uh, directory there. And uh, I, I worked with uh, smaller teams at first, uh, more like an intern, but then uh, within a year I had uh, become a, a lead programmer on their products. And so um, I would... I would uh, program major features. Uh, we used the Unity game engine to make those games, and um, so I'd program major features, and then I'd give like uh, time estimates for how long it would take to make something, and then uh, I would also administer code reviews on all of the programmers and and the programming that went into the game, and that's actually um, like they they knew we all knew I was a really good game programmer, but I feel like I didn't know why or I really wasn't. Uh, really, really good until after I started reviewing other people's code. Because when you do that full time, you have to start questioning, like, well, why, why am I, why do I pass this, or why do I not pass it? And um, you start learning how comp- complicated and complex full scale games are. And uh, so, uh, really, I I practiced my uh, programming chops there a lot. Um, so that's what I was there. I was pretty much just an engineer. Okay, very cool. Um, just out of curiosity, like what what would be um, code that you would pass or not pass, and and, and why? Well, uh, we would have like coding standards, and um, then a lot of times, most of the time, people wouldn't test their code enough, and it would it would just it say, okay, well, what happens if we... I know you tested it in level two, but what happens then when we load it in level three? And like, oh, well, I didn't try that. Like, well, uh, we have to make the code work for that too. You know, we can't just... We can't just ship a broken game. <laughs> sure, sure. Very cool. Very cool. So now you, I assume, are the, the wearer of most of the hats or all of the hats at uh, JB Gaming? Absolutely, I am. I'm the man who wears all the hats. Um, so for the most part, I uh, I hire people who are really good at drawing things uh, to make really awesome graphics, and um, 
and help me design things as well. Um, and uh, so that way I can focus on it, or I have to focus on everything else. So it's a really, it's a really small operation. So I do all the programming and I build the entire game, um, but I do pay for artwork uh, and music. So that ends up with me doing the programming, building the game, shipping the product, uh, putting the marketing materials together, coordinating people to work together, um, doing video editing, doing social media, uh, doing uh, business strategy, um, raising money so that we can continue operating. Um, it's it's overwhelming, really. But I, I can imagine. Uh, I'm I was going to say, it, I, I don't hear sleep in the list of things I'm listing. <laughs> so. <laughs> so true. No, so true. <laughs> oh, man, that, that, uh, that sounds crazy, but it uh, sounds like you're having a lot of fun, so that's, that is awesome. It's definitely nice to be able to, like, follow your dreams. Uh, even It can be frustrating, though, because, you know, uh, we need to – really hit it out of the park with our games and I've never really marketed much in my life and uh, it's just learning, learning, learning and so it's it's a dream come true but it's also the most stressful thing you'll ever do. I can imagine. That's, it sounds stressful. You, you've got the weight of the company <laughs> on your soldier, on your soldier, on your uh, shoulders. Um, but uh, But that sounds really good. It is good. <laughs> good, good, good. All right, so a cowboy, a wizard, and a grim reaper walk into a bar. How did they meet, and what is going on? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, as far as why those three exist, so those are the those are the heroes of our game, Grave Danger, and in the game in itself, um, they kind of just walk into each other's uh, problems and say, okay, well, we can solve each other's problems if we work together, and that's exactly what you do with them throughout the game. As far as, like, how the concept came to be, um, we were uh, we were doing... I asked my artist, hey, can you concept a whole bunch of characters? Because I want to make a side-scroller. I want to make a, a high-res, fun puzzle platformer and so he came up with like 24 character ideas and then I, I pointed at the cowboy and the grim reaper and the wizard and I said these three are our stars and uh, I happen to love the Lost Vikings uh, this old Super Nintendo game by Blizzard and uh, it was three unique characters so I decided like well let's let's you know these three unique characters are awesome let's let's rebirth this genre by doing this why do you think, aside from, like, Trine, we haven't really seen, like, the the triplicate co-op side-scrolling puzzle game um, since Lost Vikings. What, why haven't we? I don't know why, and so that's why <laughs> I did this. I was like, I, it, I will be the person to do it, <laughs> you know? Uh, that's, uh, that's cool. What, um, was it just kind of that kind of perfect storm of things that, that came together that made Grave Danger um, kind of the, the first game that you wanted to make uh, kind of on your own? Um, yeah, well, it wasn't the first game that JB Gaming made. We we uh, released some mobile titles um, 
but they just it just wasn't working out for us. The reason I went from uh, I started with mobile when I started my company is because that's what I was doing before at Skyboo. I was like, okay, well, we do mobile. I know how to do mobile. Let's ship for mobile. And then I realized that's not going to work for my business. That's just it just wasn't going to work. And so we were working on our third mobile title, and I just said. Just you know, I knew something needed to change. I said, "Okay, let's switch gears. We're going to make a Steam game. We're going to show the world we can make a kick-ass game." So, and then uh, I knew it was going to be a platformer because I said, "Well, I looked at our resources and what I really knew how to do, and what I think we could accomplish in the time." And uh, so, uh, you know, and then we went to the character design, and then that's when it dawned on me, like, "Hey, this is going to be a Lost Vikings game." Nice, nice. Now, kind of, yeah, you know, you went to to mobile because that was your strength. But now mm-hmm. you're you're branching out from from that. What are some of the differences that you've kind of noticed between designing for mobile and designing for, you know, like couch play? Well, really, um, designing games for desktop and console is really where I got my start. It's like where my roots are. Uh, because that those are all the kind of games I made on my own in my when I was a teenager and in college, and um, so it was only work that took me to mobile, and so I realized this is actually where my heart is, and it's actually what I'm good at, and so um, the but the big differences are um, you're not uh, when you're doing mobile you're crunching for every little megabyte unless you're like a AAA studio shipping gigabyte mobile games. I know some of them do that, but you know, you're 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 aiming small, you know, for mobile, but for desktop and and console, you have this extra chunk of change that you can, you know, you don't need to worry about if your game is a few hundred megabytes. Um that's nothing. Um and then another thing, I know it sounds counterintuitive to uh, say but uh it's easier to control for mobile, kind of, because there's so such a lack of control. But for PC, um, you are dealing with any control. We're talking anything, right? A mouse, keyboard, gamepad, gamepad from 1980, gamepad from 1999, uh, wireless. Somebody's using a joystick and a right. house to get you through things. Um, so sometimes it's really frustrating to see, like. Uh, footage of like maybe the character's not moving exactly right and it's like due to a joystick or something it's like I just can't account for 100% of all controllers you know sure Sure, but, yeah, everybody should just you know get with it and have an Xbox 360 controller. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what some tell that's, me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, I can imagine that uh yeah, PC's got to be nuts just with all the different configurations. Uh, not only controllers, but I mean, it, have you run into any issues with just like weird hardware differences? Um, n- uh, not really, because I am using the Unity game engine, um, and I wasn't actually using when 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 I started doing mobile games for my company. I wasn't using the Unity game engine. Um, I was like tired of it, but then when we started using, uh, we started developing Grave Danger. I realized like, oh, I'm really good at using Unity, so we should use it. And yeah, it does so much lifting for you. So, um, no shipping to 
Mac, Linux, and Windows hard and different hardware on them was easy because of the Unity game engine. Nice. So as far as, as making a kind of uh, Lost Vikings-esque game where you, you have, you're in control of three characters, um, and there is kind of platforming and stuff going on, what kind of, like, additional um, kind of planning has to go into what you're doing and, and how you kind of keep everything together? Um, well, so basically some some basic project management needs to come in, and that's another hat I have to wear. And it it's really difficult for me sometimes because I'm more, you know, uh, late-night programmer, uh, get everything done, and just, just go, go, go. But, yeah, you have to step back and say, okay, well, we need artwork for uh, three different worlds, and then we need levels for those three worlds, and then we need, you know, four monsters for each of those worlds, and then we need songs for each of those worlds, um, and then we need, you know, so it's just you need to account for every single little detail, and then there's, you need to account for what you're not going to account for. Um, so when you give an estimate of how long something's going to take, usually you need to just double. You say, oh, it's going to take 12 hours. No, that's going to take 24 hours, so that's going to take more than a week or more than half a week, you know. How do you actually, I mean, obviously, um, part of it comes from experience, but how do you judge how long something is going to make or take to make, especially early on when you haven't made anything in that particular game yet? Is it just all based on prior experience or? Yeah, you know, it, it probably comes from gut instinct with experience because you say, well, I get, you know what? Uh, you know, uh, if someone says, "Hey, could you could you get set up with a new dev environment, like a new language or whatever, and print some text out?" You're like, "Okay, yeah, that could take two hours because you don't know what's going to happen uh, getting all set up." So, um, it's it really is exactly you know estimate. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard it's hard to estimate those things. But I guess it really is kind of a, a gut intuition and it prior experience kind of thing. Okay. Now, um, kind of getting, getting into some of the gameplay, obviously we've got the uh, the cowboy, uh, we've got a wizard, and we've got the uh, the Grim Reaper. Um, what? How, how are they playing differently? Kind of what all are you doing throughout the game? You know, if somebody hasn't played Lost Vikings before, can you kind of just walk us through what the, the game is all about and what you're, you're doing? Okay, no, those are those are really good questions because um, in the Lost Vikings, only one of the char- characters can jump, but in our game, Grave Danger, all three of our characters can jump, but they all move differently. And so that's actually where I was able to draw my inspirations from other games. Um, so, for example, the cowboy, he can wall jump just like Mega Man X, um, yeah, but he shoots his gun and then he has to reload. So... He just has a straight fire. You can hold down the uh, shoot button. And then the wizard, he can uh, jump twice. So that's just kind of gen- a generic kind of platforming thing where a character can jump twice, maybe like Super Smash Brothers. Uh, you can jump a few times in the air depending on who you are. And then the Grim Reaper, he can't jump very high, but then he can float, just like uh, Princess Toadstool from Super Mario 2. So... Um, 
and then not to mention the cowboy can dash, and so uh, he he's the cowboy is really a lot like Mega Man X, which is really fun, a uh, big inspiration of mine. So the way you have to play the game is that these characters can get to different parts of the level and maybe like open up a door or uh, lower a rope or get on an elevator so that the others can maneuver around the level and get all of them through and solve the puzzle. So you, you brought up a, a key thing there about getting all of them through. Um, my college roommate uh, used to rave about Lost Vikings, and uh, he always found it infuriating, though, because eventually, towards the end, he would get to something incredibly difficult. One of the Vikings doesn't make it, and you got to start the game all over again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I assume in 2017, um, unless you're, um, I don't know, it's a... Uh, people that make Dark Souls, uh, you're not going to want to punish people that much. Uh, kind of what what is the difficulty curve of that? Do you, do you have to have everybody at the end of the level, or how does that kind of kind of work? Absolutely, you nailed it. And Lost Vikings is a very infuriating game because if one character dies, you're restarting the entire puzzle. So I took that into account, and actually, the very first. Uh, demo I ever sent out to someone he made a YouTube video of him playing it and the game was actually a little bit more like trying at the time uh, where all the characters were in one spot and you'd switch between them hmm. uh, but I I watched him die over and over again and restart the entire level and I said okay no this this needs to change and so I came up with this original idea where uh, there's grave Yards all throughout the level, and they they count as like a, a respawn point. So if you die in grave danger, so like a like a checkpoint almost. Absolutely. So it's okay. a checkpoint. Um, so if you die in grave danger, you turn into a ghost, and that character does, and then they have to return to the last graveyard they visited, and then they respawn. Hmm. So do you? So um, you don't you have take... to restart the whole level. Okay. So you you just take the ghost back. Uh, you still control them, go back to the graveyard, and they can uh, resurrect? Yep. Okay. And so that it, there can definitely be some frustrating parts in the game, but it doesn't super punish you. You just have to backtrack a little bit. Hmm. Nice. What what kind of crap are they getting up to that is going to kill a Grim Reaper and send him back to the graveyard? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say, like... Uh, Saw blades against dusty old bones don't, you know, saw blade wins. That that's every probably time. Yeah. Every time. That's... And then like a, a a cliff, I you know his floating powers don't last forever. So he falls down a cliff and he's gonna land at the bottom. But he'd probably now I think about it, he'd probably be okay. But he's still out of the picture, so he's dead. Has to go back to the graveyard. So in an instance like that, if you um. Uh, fall off a cliff or something, and your your body and theoretically ghost are nowhere to be found. Does the ghost just go back to the checkpoint, or just the ghost the goes end? to the last spot? Okay. That you, yeah, the ghost goes back to the last spot that you were alive. Okay. So right before you jumped off a cliff, that's gotcha. where your ghost will be. Gotcha. Smart, smart uh, ghosts, not not just <laughs> hanging out there at the bottom of the abyss. Right. Uh, that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned uh, kind of changing uh, a pretty big element of the game, going from the, the kind of trine 
you know, you're switching between uh, three characters, but they all, if you're playing by yourself, they all just physically take up the same space. Uh, to the Lost Vikings of, you know, you've got all three of them uh, roaming around at the same time. Uh, what was what was the kind of impetus behind making that change? Absolutely. So the reason that happened, well, I was on the fence about which one um, I would do, and uh, it wasn't until I t- I put the game in front of people um, and I showed them I showed both versions, and then people told me is much more compelling when all three characters are on the screen, and it's much more interesting. Okay. Can't argue with people playing your game. I mean, you can't. Right. That's, I mean, that happens, but it's the <laughs> it's it's good when they give you actual feedback and not just whatever people say about games. Uh, <laughs> um, as far as, you know, it, it seems uh, perfectly made though for uh, for co op. Is it just a solo game? Can you play with other people? How is how is that kind of working out? So you can play local co op. Um, we don't have networked co op, but. I'm definitely looking into that for a future version. Um, And it can be played pretty well with two people. Um, There were some issues with uh, the camera, uh, and I added a split-screen option, but it just wasn't uh, wasn't very good. Uh, The the Lost Vikings, the co-op was really minimal because the camera was always stuck on the first player. But I added this feature that if you press like the uh, L2 or um, I think select button, depending on your uh, joypad or whatever, um, the camera will shift focus from the first player to the second player, and they can actually fight over focus, like, hey, it's my turn to take the camera. So basically, second player can start playing just as well as first player any moment in the game now, and um, a lot of the puzzles are... uh, they're usually within a radius of each other, the the characters, so um, it's definitely a good time to play. Okay. Can you uh, can you actually can you get three people playing the game, or is it uh, two person co op? No, I said it. I originally did have capability for three player, but I changed it to only be one or two um, due to the fact that um, players can change characters, but there's only three characters, so. If there's three players playing three characters, there's no switching. Mm. And, you know, I thought, like, well, what, what if they want to switch? And so I just hadn't hashed out, like, well, what happens when they switch? And so I definitely think that could be something that down the road we could consider. Sure, that, that makes sense, though. That's, and that's uh, definitely fair, fair considering that, like, you know, the other game of the Silk uh, recently trined, it does kind of let you do that switching between. Um, so, you know, if somebody stopped wanting to be the warrior or the rogue, they could, you know, they could switch back and forth between those. So it's, I, I think it's rad that, you know, that you're thinking about it, but you're not implementing it like a, a broken system just to have something there to say it's there. Absolutely. Like, the most valuable thing I've learned from... Uh, being a professional game developer for five years now is like I really care about sh- shipping something that's quality and you know not broken. I'm not to call anything out, but like uh, what uh, that new Mass Effect game just came out, and I just saw a video of like so many bugs. I'm like, how embarrassing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. 
Sure, that uh, I think that game definitely suffers from uh, feature creep. Yeah, um, exactly. And you know, once it gets so big, there's just you can't squash all the bugs. You just can't. It's like Rachni; they just they just multiply. Um, right. Yep. I feel sorry for them because I know they worked really hard, but oh, like sure, they're yeah, so massive. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What I mean, one of those maps is just. It, like geographically, probably as big as a third of one of the other games. It's like, it's it's crazy. It's right. Um, the ambition's there, but you know, it's it can be sad. They'll get it fixed up. I'm sure, or maybe I'm not sure. Maybe I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, now, kind of looking back um, at the the history of the game, I noticed that you guys did a. Uh, Kickstarter last year um, and unfortunately things didn't work out um, most of the time you know we're a lot of the times when we talk to people that are doing Kickstarters we're, we talk to them uh, while they're in the middle of Kickstarters and it's not that often that we get to hear from somebody that you know kind of had to, to adapt and continue on uh, without whatever benefit was going to come from Kickstarter kind of how did you what were the repercussions of that and kind of what was doing Kickstarter like for you? Because it's, it's different for everybody. Well, Kickstarter was definitely an amazing experience. Uh, it was a huge learning experience. It was my first real, like, uh, toe in the water as far as learning how to market things and and uh, and knowing that the product can sell. Um, and it, it is unfortunately we didn't meet our funding goal. Uh, we were selected as uh, projects we love, and um, everything seemed to be going the right way. But, um, but yeah, you know, I had to find funding to make the make it happen because uh, just not not operating and not making games is not an option for my company. Mm-hmm. So we had to find uh, angel investors to uh, become part owners of the company and uh, put the money. Uh, the development costs up front and um, so that's what we do that's how we continue to operate until uh, we start making um, more money from more sales and have more games so that's that's the long term vision for the company so um, Kickstarter was really uh, to get us out there on the map and to, to gauge the interest and um, it was actually a big wake up call because uh, the Kickstarter ended uh, early August, and I realized, like, wow, I I promised to have the game out by the end of the year. That means it's time to get going. It's time to make <laughs> this game, right? It's, and, you know, and most – because most Kickstarters, like, if the funding doesn't succeed, the project stops. But, like, that, that wasn't the case for me, and so um, that was – that was actually probably really good because uh, I worked harder and longer – than I ever have in my life and uh, made the most kick-ass game I've ever made. So it, it was a great experience whether we succeeded or not. And I'm considering going back to Kickstarter this summer with uh, another project we're working on. Okay, that, that was actually going to be my next question. Um, how do you feel about uh, you know dipping your toes in that water again? I think it would be a better idea and I would know uh, more things I would do this the second time around, you know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, now, uh, you know, the, the game's been out on, on Steam. Uh, people can 
pick that up now, but it's it's also coming to Xbox this summer, right? Absolutely. I've got uh, the Xbox development kit set up in my office, and uh, it's and I'm working with the Xbox ID team to get all of our marketing materials approved, and we're actually working on a new and improved trailer to be our main marketing piece. So as soon as all the ducks have lined up, we're going to, I don't know, what do you do with the ducks? Squash them? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do, and then they make that crazy sound. <laughs> so as soon as our trailer is done and our Xbox One uh, development is a, is all uh once we're all approved on Xbox by Microsoft, then we're really going to try and market Grave Danger really hard. So it's it's exciting times coming up. Absolutely. That is that is really cool. Uh, do you have a, a – obviously, you know, you're kind of in the middle of, of developing that for Xbox. Um, I know what we received said summer of 2017. Do you have any more concrete dates for people to keep in mind or – yeah, unfortunately, I don't because uh, it's hinging on more than a few things, so sure. I don't have any solid dates. That's cool. Well, uh, here here in Georgia, summer starts about right now and continues through <laughs> November, so you've got a pretty big window. Um. <laughs> Dang, that's, that's like I'm in Nebraska. It's kind of like opposite. Uh, the winter starts in October and doesn't end until uh, a month from now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it reached, uh, one day last week it was like 40 degrees one day and then 85 the next, which I think is mm-hmm. one of the craziest temperature changes I've ever seen. But yeah, it's consistently hitting the 80s um, now, so it's 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 on. Summer's summer's basically here. Um, Thanks. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I had to cut grass yesterday. It's not nice. It's <laughs> uh, I like the cold. Like the cold, you can be inside with video games, drink <laughs> coffee and tea. It's it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that that is awesome, uh, Brian. I, I don't have any more questions about the game per se. Do you? Before we uh, jump into the end game, no. Let's uh, we kick it right to the end. Um, right. So we'd like to end with a we call it the end game. It's a questionnaire um, based more on you than on the uh, either the uh, uh, the game or the the studio itself. Um, the questions are difficult. Um, so feel free to take your time. We can edit all all the extra waiting space out in post. So if you got to think about something, uh, please feel free. Uh, but let's uh, go ahead and start. Uh, first question: um, Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Hmm, my favorite protagonist in a video game. It would have to be. Uh... Oh, this is tough. Yep. It would have to be. <laughs> It'd have to be Ness from Earthbound. Okay. Any particular reason uh, why? Uh, that game and that character just kind of hit home with me. Um, it just it just felt like it it was me, you know, like oh I I am him, you know, and uh, and you can don't be surprised if you catch me with like horizontally striped shirts, just because I like that character. Um, you know, it was a it was a adventure game about a young man, twelve or thirteen, uh, young boy, uh, going out into the world and, um, and unraveling this alien conspiracy. But uh, you know, that was that was around the time that I started doing game development, and um, it all just kind of felt magical, and uh, I just I just kind of clicked with it. Okay, cool. 
That's excellent. Flipping the coin, next question. Um, who's your favorite antagonist? I love this one. Who's your favorite bad guy? Antagonist, bad guy. Hmm. I like Lavos from Chrono Trigger. That's, uh, it's like, you know, it's this uh, apocalyptic thing, but, um, it's been burrowing in the earth for, it's actually this, almost the same as the antagonist in Earthbound. Uh, it's this cre- this alien creature that's been burrowing in the earth and eating the energy from the earth and growing and growing and then, uh, wow, now that I think about it, Earthbound and Chrono Trigger both have time travelers to go back and kill it. So, hey. <laughs> I was going to say Chrono well, is all one of my favorite protagonists, but it was between Chrono and Ness. Nice. Uh, both are perfectly fair, and Lavos as kind of like that that world-ending, you know, the, the almost bad guy on a clock um, is really kind of unique as far as uh, as far as antagonists go in the game space. Would you figure, you know, something that's like, hey, you know, you have to go out and save the world, and there's this thing that's going to do it. Like, do you think you'd run into something like that more often? But there's just there's really kind of nothing else like that out there. Mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty sad that like. I know Chrono Cross exists, but there wasn't really any good sequel for Chrono Trigger. And uh, that's one of the games I'm thinking about exploring doing a spiritual success success rev. Maybe not yet, but I don't know. Maybe we'll do that next year. Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that one. (laughs) Any time, no, any, any, like... You know, if you could make that happen, that you were talking about something that is that's beloved by all. So if you get if you get that part right, you have something that's wonderful. Uh, next question: um, you, you being on the indie side of things, get ready to to release this uh, this game out there, or actually the game's already released, um, but you know, kind of spreading out on the consoles too. Um, is there anything, any kind of trends in um, in game dev today that you'd like to see kind of expanded upon? Um, something that's maybe small that maybe not a lot of people are trying that you think uh, everybody would benefit from. Well, I'd say the whole VR thing is pretty trendy. Um, I'm not saying I think everyone should jump on that. Um, a lot of people are questioning like if VR is good for games, and I think it's definitely at least novel. Uh, there's some really cool stuff. I feel like that's going to be a dominating force. Um, but I'm not really, I'm not really in the position to do much VR, to be honest. Like, um, it takes a lot of hardware and uh, a lot of 3D stuff. So, um, you know, uh, s- some trends in gaming. I guess you know, stick stick to your heart. You know, make games that come from your heart. I absolutely yes. I mean, yeah, and you know, like for both of those, that's. That's totally it. And if people could kind of get behind that, then we maybe we wouldn't have as much. I don't know, like uh, like weird kind of commercializing of stuff. Um, and maybe that the, the gap between the the more impressive uh, kind of indie dev stuff and the you know like super like ad driven, uh, focus driven like AAA titles will come out. You know, like maybe that gap will go away. Right, right. Uh, the follow up, which is the next question. Um, are there any tropes? Any kind of the opposite side? Anything that that video games are doing these days that that kind of need to stop? Well, uh, thankfully, well, 
unfortunately, like for me, getting uh, my first game on Steam in 2016 was like the year of the shovelware for Steam, you know. Um, and thankfully, that's going away because Steam Greenlight is going away. Um, and so, like, it was kind of a trope to just like put some crap together and shovel it onto Steam, and it's just like and boy howdy, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's harder for us smaller guys to get ex- exposure. So I'd say right now. The the common trope is to just like get some crap together and sell it, and it sucks. Uh, when you see kind of the work that you put into things, and yeah, you know, this is kind of like a side question, uh, the work you put into stuff, and, and then you see something like kind of that's uh, it's like an asset flipping kind of just money grab. Like as a game dev, how does that how does that kind of make you feel about stuff? Um, makes me feel sorry for their customers. And it uh, it makes me proud of what I do. Good. Nice. Yeah, Should absolutely. Be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question, we leave uh, a game development behind a little bit. And uh, since you're, you are kind of doing what you love, um, if you had the option or the chance with no restrictions... Um, is there any other profession you'd love to try? Yeah, you know, I I really care about like uh, clean energy and uh, and and health. Like, uh, I'd really like to be on the forefront of uh, harnessing all the energy from the sun because uh, the 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 sun beats down on the earth as much energy as the U.S. needs in a year, just in one day. And so it's just stupid the way uh, humans, uh, you know, operate on the earth. And I, I really want to be on the forefront of that, but it's just not m- my expertise. And so it's absolutely wishful thinking. <laughs> that That's cool, though. I think that's possibly the most altruistic thing somebody has, <laughs> has said so kudos <laughs> yeah no absolutely um, next question if you had the opportunity to play any game again for the first time what would it be play any game again for the first time for the first time if you got to go back or not even go back but if you could just kind of relive that first experience again yeah I'd say Chrono Trigger. That game kicks ass. Yep. I absolutely agree. I lost uh, many, many a summer um, replaying and playing that game. That New Game Plus feature was uh, uh, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's actually funny. It's like the first game to even make that feature. Really? Uh, yeah, no, they, they were really the first ones to uh, to really kind of explore it the way they did. And especially, like, getting all the way to the end and going, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to start this over with everything I have. Um, it, it made going through there for the story and kind of enjoying the uh, the kind of time travel elements without having to worry about anything else really, really far. Yeah, you know, it just, it felt like you were in control of your destiny. And you were. Because there's, so, there's like, 25 different endings. That's yeah, absolutely. Depending upon when you fought Lavos or... Or what you went back and did, or whether or not you, you know, I remember the 
Um, just, it was something like, you know, it's really tiny, but uh, going back and saving um, Luca's mom. Um, and, you know, getting the code right so that she's not swallowed up by the uh, by the um, the machinery in the house. And then kind of going back into the future and seeing that she's there and that, you know, she's managed to survive. And it, it's, it's like cool little touches like that that really uh, make that a classic. Yeah, I, I managed to mess that up on my other run, and I, some tears came to my eyes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember I, it was probably like only the second or third time through that game when I realized that that was something that was even possible. And I was like, oh, man, this is fantastic. You can change things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that that was the whole game. No, I went to Walmart. That's uh, Final question, and this is a weird one. Um, at the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there to greet us with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Power up. <laughs> what kind of power up? I mean, just a general power up. A mushroom, probably, probably get really big. I mean, if it's Toad, I don't know. <laughs> it's totally Toad. Totally Toad. I, I, I like the idea of you entering the Mushroom Kingdom just uh, larger um, larger than most. Nobody's ever suggested that before. That's excellent. <laughs> larger than most. <laughs> larger than most. You know, you just walk in just a little bit bigger. It's like, hey, what's going on? Nice. I like Would, it. I would like you it. want to be able to spit fire or fly? Just or... be big. Oh, Just you know, okay. I, I guess now that you mention it, I guess I guess like a, a, a raccoon tail that can fly would be really awesome. All right. <laughs> if he's handing things out at the gate, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're just handing stuff out, then I, yeah, I guess I'll I'll take a, I'll take a raccoon suit and I'll take a boot and a, a star. Let's do it. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Uh, well, Jeff, thank you. You've reached the end. Um, you've uh, you've passed with flying colors. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you uh, why don't you tell the the good man what he's won? Well, Jeff, you have won our eternal love and respect. Thank you so much for uh, sitting down with us and chatting about uh, video games and grave danger. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about your game. Awesome. Well, uh, you can find Grave Danger on. Uh, gravedangergame.com or go to Steam and search Grave Danger. Um, and uh, right now our company web address is jbgamedev.com. Uh, we're definitely looking into a new company address and we're actually uh, building a new company website at the moment. So uh, go look up our, our Grave Danger game website and you won't regret it. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, and good luck as you guys kind of continue developments, and then you know, as you, you move on to further projects. Wish you the best. Awesome. Thanks for the conversation, guys. It was fun. Let's do it again. Indeed. Absolutely. You're coming back with your next one. I want to hear about this, this Chrono Trigger sequel. <laughs> Me too. <laughs>